Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. And we're back here on ESSR Central. We're on the road to WrestleMania and on that road to WrestleMania, there are many truck stops along the way. So I'm joined by two glory hole enthusiasts to take you through each of the service stations <laughs> on the way to WrestleMania, Grant McRobbie and Scott McLeod. <laughs> yeah, there's never been a glory hole as big as yours. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Um, <laughs> one of the nicest things that's been said about me. Anyway, um, we're here today on ESSR Central, a special one of two this week, uh, to look ahead to the non-WrestleMania uh, events happening this week in and around the Los Angeles area. We have Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor. We have Multiverse United. We have NXT Stand and Deliver. We have GCW to talk about, and we have some New Japan Pro Wrestling to talk about as well. All that and much, much more. But if you want to listen to much, much more, then you can find us on iTunes, Android, and Spotify. Just search Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. And if you search at Suplex Retweet, you can find our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. We're probably on it. And you can get involved with the conversation. But let's talk some non WrestleMania week events. Let's talk NXT Stand and Deliver coming your way from the Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles, California. A matinee show in the morning of April 1st, 9.45 it kicks off. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, 9.45 that kicks off. And weirdly enough, NXT has had a strange relationship WrestleMania weekend. Uh, stole the show, I think, safe to say, 2016 to 2018. 2019 was still pretty good. 2020 and 2021 in the pandemic era, it kind of took a back seat. Now, with WrestleMania becoming bigger and bigger, Scott, it's kind of losing some of the appeal because SmackDown on the Friday, two nights of WrestleMania, it seems kind of shoehorned in there. Yeah. Is I think pre-pandemic, like it was always a case of like the Saturday would be 
would be NXT and then Sunday would be WrestleMania. But now, like you said, they waited two nights and then FIFA had to expand and move to being live on a Friday. And also you got to fit the Hall of Fame in that weekend. So it's left them in an awkward position for, for NXT or where to put it. And I, I understand why you'd want to put it the morning of one of the nights of WrestleMania and be the lead in into WrestleMania. But I was talking to you about this the other day. I was like, 9.5 in the morning, obviously US time will be like 5 o'clock, I think, or time by the time it actually starts. But like, like more, nobody wants to watch wrestling at 9.45 in the morning. You find anyone, the most morning person like, you can find who's a wrestling fan, even they'll say they don't want to watch wrestling at 9.45 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an awkward one there. And Grant as well, uh, obviously 2019 New Japan MSG, last year and this year the relaunch of uh, Ring of Honor and the Supercard of Honor, the sort of more indie fan that would go to these things is now being taken away as well by other events on that weekend. Aye, like the whole weekend is just absolutely crammed. Um, like GCW alone, it's like twelve shows. Jesus, start, starting from the thirtieth of thirtieth of March right up to like the second of April, with like wild, wild like start times is running as late as like midnight. Like there's far too there's far too much to cover. I've just picked up a couple of like highlight events that I think will be awesome. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But obviously it was the sort of underground thing for a while. And I think with the change to from black and gold to two point and obviously with more more independent stuff coming on there, it has eaten into NXT's time. But Pretty good card here. Um, we talked about it before we came on. People maybe complained that there was too many multi-man matches, too many <laughs> stipulations at WrestleMania. So we'll get rid of all that and we've decided just to throw them on at NXT TakeOver. We've got an unsanctioned match between Johnny Gargano and Grayson Waller. We've got singles match for the NXT Championship, Braun Breaker defending against Carmelo Hayes. A ladder match for the vacant NXT Women's Championship. Zoe Starks, Gigi Dolan, Tiffany Stratton, Laya Valkyrie, and Indy Hartwell. Uh, the Women's Tag Team Championships are on the line. Fallon Henry and Kiana James taking on Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. A fatal five-way for the NXT North American Championship. Wesley, Dragon Lee, Broccoli, uh, JD McDonough, <laughs> Isla Dragunov, and Axum. Uh, a triple threat match for the NXT Tag Team Championships. The Creed Brothers the D'Angelo family, and Gallus. And an eight-person mixed tag match. Winner gets control of Chase University. <laughs> We've got Andre Chase, Duke Hudson, Thea Hale, and playing the role of uh, the big Lebowski, Tyler Bate, going up against Schism, Joe Gacy, Jagger Reed, Rip Fowler, and Ava. So, a lot of places to... <laughs> a lot of matches to get through there, but I think the best place to start is the match that's been nearly a year in the making, Johnny Gargano and Grayson Waller, and an unsanctioned match. Scott, Johnny Gargano, we didn't really think was going to be doing much at WrestleMania, so it's good to see him back in NXT where he's had undoubtedly the most success in his WWE career. Yeah, definitely. When you said the match is at a year build, I would love you to go. Well, of course, I mean the eight-man tag, but yeah, (laughs) yeah. And that's yeah, unsanctioned they made it, which obviously is 
few quotations to Johnny's career. You think back to the match WrestleMania weekend 2018 with Tommaso Ciampa. And it does make sense because Johnny was kind of written out of NXT originally by Grayson Waller now to come back around. Remember for a few weeks when they tried to make you think it was going to be Shawn Michaels versus Grayson Waller? Because, <laughs> like, Shawn Michaels, you and Shawn Michaels come back around the weekend, you wouldn't think he's wrestling at nine in the morning uh, the day of WrestleMania against Grayson Waller. I'd actually find him wrestling at and then deliver weirder than him having that tag match in Saudi Arabia. But this match, I'm looking forward to it. It's nice to have Johnny come back to NXT, maybe finish off his run there because you know, after WrestleMania, it can get be like a restart for him because he got he got like injured and so he said to like stop start and all the main roster career don't still don't really know who he is. So case of keep you off WrestleMania, let you do stand and deliver, and then. We're off the media onwards, basically Triple H can find how to properly introduce Johnny Gargano to the main roster audience. Yeah, of course. And uh, Grant, and a spotlight for Grayson Waller. He seems like your sort of sort of Miz style character where a loss doesn't hurt him because a lot of Grayson Waller's talent comes from the microphone. It comes from building these feuds with scathing promos. Definitely, it's like you, you could kind of put like him in the same as you say, the Miz being one. He's 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 like a PG version of Miz slash MJF. He just yeah. goes he goes in these great promos that do get under people's skin, and it's fantastic to watch him just be the dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we'll get predictions quickly. Um, who do you think's winning this? Are we seeing Grayson Waller going from strength to strength, or do we think Johnny Gargano? comes back and finishes his story, the theme of the weekend. Um, I'm going, hesitantly going Grayson Waller because, you know, it's the idea of Johnny's not going to be back in NXT after this, so put, put over Grayson Waller because, you know, he's already lost twice to the NXT tail, so if he has another loss here to, to Johnny, I don't know where else he goes from here, whereas it wouldn't really hurt Johnny to, to lose. Grant? Back in Johnny. Come on, Johnny. <laughs> I think Gargano wins as well I think he, he comes back and the only complaint I have about this is the fact that he had a contract for an unsanctioned match that automatically <laughs> makes it a sanctioned match if you sign a contract <laughs> but anyway um, singles match for the NXT Championship a match a lot of us have wanted to see for a while Braun Breaker versus Carmelo Hayes this is a bit of a weird one though because last year it looked like Braun Breaker loses the title to Dolph Ziggler, loses his rematch at Stand and Deliver. He's going up to the main roster. He's going up to the main roster. Oh, look at that. He's won the title back on the Raw after Mania, and he's still there with the title, Scott. Yeah, Braun Breaker should have lost the title like six months ago. Like, yeah, it was already played out at that point. Yeah, he got it back from, from Dolph. He finished that. It wasn't the best story to begin with. If anything, I would have, instead of Carmelo having that second reign as North American champion, I think the better outcome for either guy would be, you know, have them, have Dolph win at Stand Over, Braun gets called up, and then in your house, Dolph loses it to Carmelo, and Carmelo has like the year long reign. I don't know who you have him lose it to, but I think it would have been easier. Plus, you could have kept this match for the for the main roster, but I get. Why they would do is, you know, both guys even said of beating everybody else on the roster. So it's the two guys who arguably, when 2.0 started, everyone was like, but most of this is pish, but I like these two. 
<laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, Grant, it was clear, obviously, from the get-go, winning against LA Knight, uh, the set-off with uh, Tommaso Ciampa on the first episode of NXT, and obviously winning the title uh, from Ciampa in such dominating fashion. The Braun Breaker, from the get-go, was the star of 2.0, but they've done a really good job of keeping Carmelo Hayes on the underside. You know, so that, That's the importance of using your secondary championship well, the fact that Carmelo Hayes has been not as dominantly booked, but just about as dominantly booked as Braun Breaker. I definitely feel Carmel is the more interesting of the two of them. Braun Breaker was kind of explosive to begin with, and then it's just felt like it's it's flat. It's flat for me. It's two point has been a bit of a meh for me. But Carmelo, he just he brings it. Gives a hell of a performance every time. Yeah, absolutely, and he is obviously. He is more dynamic in ring. I don't think Braun Breaker's bad, but I think, you know, if he, if he's in there with an opponent that's similar to him, you're you're going to get a big meaty men slap meat match. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not a bad thing. I think with the booze from the crowd, you're starting to see it's a bit same old, same old. And Scott said six months ago, this probably should have ended. Ironically enough, it probably should have, Braun Breaker should be on WrestleMania this year had they not changed their mind last minute, but here he is. Scott, do you think this is it? Do you think Carmelo takes the title and Braun goes up to Raw? God, I hope so, because you know, that's where it's actually set for me a bit on Braun Breaker because it's gone too long, so I think he needs to go up to the main roster and try and find something else to make him interesting. Uh, Grant, do you think he's heading up? I think I think I do because you know, like as people made jokes about with the whole Jay White coming to WWE situation, he's had his time under the Shawn Michaels learning tree. It's time for someone else to get a shot. Yeah, I agree. Braun Breaker is currently twenty-five years old. He made his debut, obviously, on that October eighth episode of NXT in twenty twenty. Sorry, he made his debut October eighth, twenty twenty. He made his uh, NXT debut and the rebrand in 2021. He's in a year and a half of possibly the most careful booking you can imagine. He's had his wee time on Raw, so the main roster audience knows him. Yeah, I think it's time. Carmelo takes the title, and Braun moves on, as you said. Someone else needs to sit under the learning tree for a while. Right. Um, Scott, is there any other matches in Stand and Deliver you'd like to talk about uh, before we sort of blitz through them and get predictions? I just want to briefly talk about how just, even if you have been watching NXT, it's probably still makes so little sense why this eight-person tag is happening. But, you know, it's very much WWE's way of saying, now, we couldn't get The Rock this WrestleMania weekend, but we got his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ava making her uh, pay-per-view debut uh, WrestleMania weekend. She is a fourth-generation superstar. And I've clicked on her to see more about her, and it's taken me straight to Dwayne Johnson. So, oh well. <laughs> um, born 2001, that's absolutely sickening. <laughs> born 2001. Yeah, it is an odd one, and I think it was just a way to sort of throw Tyler Bate and throw Ava on there. It's. Um, I don't think many people will be talking about this other than the implications of The Rock's daughter. 
debuting. Uh, who do you think is winning, Chase you and Tyler Bate, or do you think Schism will win? I, I want to see Schism win just to see how they alter Chase you. Just basically make, look at, make it seem like the school from Buddy Wednesday. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, lot of Scottish representation on this show. Um, Gallus defending their NXT tag team titles. Uh, Alba Fire and Isla Dawn doing that tired old thing of they were rivals and then I convinced her to see things my way and now we're a team. Uh, they're going after the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. I just hope Alba Fire and Isla Dawn win the tag titles just so people actually start to care about the Women's Tag Team Championships again because Caden uh, Carter and Chance, whatever her name is, held the titles. They were the longest reigning women's tag uh, tag team champions on any brand in WWE and no one gave a you-know-what. <laughs> they lost the titles to Fallon Henry and Kiana James. Still, no one has cared. Uh, and Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. Alba Fire's far too talented to not have a title in NXT, I think. So I, I'll be definitely rooting for them this weekend. As for Gallus, well, I mean, their football team selection lets them down, so I'll be rooting for the Creed brothers there. <laughs> Let's talk um, fatal fatal five-way, two fatal five-ways, one a ladder match, one a, a normal match. Um, the debut of Dragon Lee, uh, the long, long-awaited debut of Dragon Lee in NXT. He's going up against NXT North American champion Wesley, JD McDonough and Ayla Dragunov are there, and as is Axum. Um, this very much feels like a showcase match for the best that NXT have. This match is going to pull the entire card right up. Guaranteed it's going to be absolute shit hot because McDonough and Dragunov alone produce gold. Yeah, they've, they've had some great uh, personal matches in the past few weeks. And Scott, obviously, Dragon Lee making his debut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was weird that they were they put him in this multi-man match. Like they tease him in the crowd during an episode of NXT. You know, oh look, so and so's in the crowd, and they used to do back in the day. Uh, I thought they'd have like what they used to do when they'd have like someone they'd be like, just somebody who can take a few losses and it's good enough to be a takeover. They're losing to the de- new debut in person, like when they had Andrade basically lose the debut for like what Gaxiano used to do for literally everyone, but. I'm, his, I'm tempted to say that I think Dragon might win this. He'll have a big impact on his debut, but they could also like have someone else take the pin and keep Dragon really strong, despite the fact he doesn't actually win his debut. As long as he doesn't do that bloody release Dragon suplex again. Oh yeah, we don't need anyone else breaking their neck. <laughs> I think... Um, I think JD attacks him. I think he moves on for the Dragon off thing. I think JD will blame him for his loss at WrestleMania. <laughs> Sorry, stand and deliver. And that'll be his first feud and he'll have some good matches with him and come out the winner. I think I'm going to go with, uh, with Wesley, but I wouldn't be surprised if they actually gave it to to, Dra- uh, to Dragon Lee. Okay, fair enough. Uh, now, I think here, I think Wesley retains I think JD and Dragon League go into a feud after it, and Dragonoff and Axiom are just sort of there to make up the numbers. 
Let's talk NXT Women's Championship. Roxanne Perez faints after a match with Mio Sakamura after being kicked in the head too many times. So now the title is on the line in a ladder match. Zoe Stark, Gigi Dolan, Tiffany Stratton, uh, Valkyra and Indy Hartwell. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think it's Indy Hartwell's time. I think Zoe Starks is as charismatic as wet cardboard. Tiffany Stratton and Valkyra, pretty much new to the brands. I don't think they're ready just yet. And I've got a sneaky feeling that JC Jane is going to return and cost Gigi Dolan. So for me, Indy Hartwell is the obvious winner here. But they are advertising it as a six-person ladder match um, on NXT. There is still one one spot to be taken, do we think? Nia Jax. Oh, God's sake. <laughs> Don't put that out in the universe. Uh, do we think Roxanne Perez comes back for the match or does Sakamura take a place in the match? I, I, I think because all the chatter is that all the guys be surprised, like, oh, look, it's actually Roxanne Perez. But then the talk is that they were covering up some other issue by having her vacate the belt. So I have no idea what's going on. I think it would be stupid to have her vacate it only to win it back. Uh, but if it's not going to be her that win, comes back and wins it, I think. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No I really think they might give it to Gigi because. I think JC's maybe out for a little while, so they might do like the girl like Gargano when Sampo's out only like give her the bill and then make sure, so she has it for when G, for when JC comes back. I think it's Indy's yeah. time as well because if she doesn't win it, Indy has to go to the main roster. Otherwise, they're just wasting her. Yeah, I agree. Um, we will talk obviously on the WrestleMania preview on Thursday. Me and Dave. Uh, about the spotlight, uh, or sorry, the NXT, sorry, the fucking hell, the WrestleMania showcase matches featuring the Fatal Four Way women's match and the Fatal Four Way men's tag match. But there was a qualifying match this past Monday on Raw. Uh, it was Mia Yim or Mi Chim or whatever she's called this week and Candice LeRae, and they lost to Chelsea Green and uh, Sonia Deville. And you're sat there thinking, surely, yeah, I know after WrestleMania is the time that people go up to the main roster, but surely you could have made an exception and had Indy go up a week early and, you know, reunite the way and have Candice LeRae and her in that showcase match. That would have been class. Yeah. What would have been more class if I didn't start my way through that point? But anyway, <laughs> NXT TakeOver, Stand and Deliver. Um, but yeah, I'm just reading here. Perez is classed as a still classed as the NXT Women's Champion. If she shows up, she'll be in the match. If she doesn't show up, then the title's vacant, and 
we'll crown a new champion. I think. I, I don't, don't know. Do you, do we think we see a Rocky style comeback? <laughs> I don't know what else to compare this to. Like, I want to give an example of what this would be like if they actually just had our show back up again. But uh, I legit can't think of anything. Yeah, apparently it is to cover other medical issues she's going through at the minute. So they're essentially waiting to the last minute. Um, no, we're, we're clearly what they're covering up is that she clearly got beat up in a bar by several Marines. No way, that was John Michaels too. <laughs> we basically just repeated the angle with her. Is it just me or is this very punk in AEW with a foot, th- foot injury and then losing and all that shit? Oh, that, that's, yeah. see, see, that's probably what I was thinking of. Yeah, that's... That's what this would be like. It's going to lead to a brawl in the backstage of NXT. There's a, there's <laughs> a situation in Impact, and we'll talk about it when we obviously get to the multiverse match, but the match that was meant to be for the Impact what, uh, Impact Knockouts Championship, sorry folks, I'm building a cold here, <laughs> <laughs> was, meant to, was meant to be a fatal five-way Mickey James is now injured, so it's now a fatal four-way number one contenders match. Jordan Grace is meant to fight Mickey at Rebellion. And it's going to be a case of, if Mickey's cleared by then, it'll be a triple threat match. If she's not, then the other two women will fight for the vacated title. This is kind of what this feels like as well. Mm. You know, it's weird how that's happened. Although, I I think in both cases, it's a case of, Something happened in real life, and they're going to try and work it into like some sort of storyline, like try and make the best out of it. Yeah, why not? But anyway, that's NXT. Certainly an interesting card, and certainly a wee appetizer for WrestleMania Saturday. But let's talk the night before. Let's talk Friday night, March thirty first, from the Gallon Center in Los Angeles, California. Ring of Honor presents Super Card of Honor. It's going to be a seven-match card. Samoa Joe v. Mark Briscoe for the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. The Embassy of Brian Cage, Khan, and Toa... No pronouncing his second name. <laughs> defending their six-man tag championships against AR Fox, Blake Christian, and Metalik. Athena against Yuka Sakazaki. There we are. <laughs> um, for the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. Wheeler Utah against Shibata in a pure wrestling rules match for the Ring of Honor Pure Championship. Uh, Il- he- Vikingo going up against Commander <laughs> for the AAA Mega Championship. A reach for the sky ladder match for the vacant Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. The Lucha Bros, Top Flight, The Kingdom, Aussie Open, and Rush and Dragonlistico. Well, uh, go- and God Banabli. <laughs> <laughs> Right, some of you don't watch New Japan, all right? Leave me alone. <laughs> Claudio Castagnoli defending his Ring of Honor World Championship against this generation's Bubba Ray Duddy, Dudley, Eddie Kingston. But anyway, let's break down this card. Let's talk about the main event. Claudio versus Eddie, a very personal rivalry built up over many, many years. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I made the reference to Bubba Ray Dudley. I think Eddie is a annoying, loudmouthed New Yorker, and I hope Claudio kicks his head in. <laughs> I love the story behind this match. I am absolutely buzzing for this match. Uh, I still want Claudio to win it. Um, 
but I do love how far back, like how petty it makes it sound. It's like you fucked off to WWE instead of staying for a last match with me. Fuck you. Like, did Claudio not in like real life also do what what he was annoyed at Punk for doing? Like, do you know, like criticize his appearance at some point? I think so. I think that happened as well. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously. <laughs> In fairness, Eddie Kingston does look like he's just crawled out of a bar fight. So, I mean, when you ha- you are someone like Claudio who is, let's face it, a Greek god, a Swiss god of a man. Uh, he's a big <laughs> Jason Statham. Yeah, has very little vices, is one of the most all-round wrestlers in And, of course you know, takes this craft very seriously, then someone like Eddie Kingston who just comes in swinging punches after six pints of Stella but probably would insult you as well, but yeah this is a very personal match and I like that, you know with Ring of Honor and AEW both being under the uh, both being under the Tony Khan banner there has been some crossover, there has been some confusion, who's on Ring of Honor who's on AEW the Ring of Honor TV show that was launched three or four weeks ago has kind of cleared some of that up. But it also made this rivalry all the more more personal. Eddie Kingston saying, I promised Moxley I wouldn't challenge you in AEW, but we are not in AEW. And <laughs> essentially, he's going after that match he didn't get all the way back in 2012 before Claudio disappeared to WWE and he wants to take his title as well. So just so much so much hatred, so much petty hatred in this match. And the fact that these are two guys that not lumps out people in the ring, it's gonna be absolutely hilarious to watch them absolutely batter each other. Yeah. Like I think it's a case where Eddie and they might see it you might see it happen with some other guys that you know, I think MGM mentioned Eddie Kingston earlier on in his territory, but I don't think EW have any plans to put Eddie back in the world title scene. But, he, but also, he knows he's got some very hardcore fans that are behind him. So I think this has kind of helped serve also to put Eddie in the main event scene of a company under Tony Khan, just not EW. So like, oh, well, I want you to be in a prime spot, but we don't have room for you on EW with our four shows a week. Let's put you on Ring of Honor. And... I think this is going to be one hell of a match. And I like that they've carried over Claudio being the heel because BCC are now heels on AEW TV, which makes more sense. I think people were going to probably cheer Eddie more so. And Claudio clearly doesn't like it. So, like, okay, I'll, I'll just I'll just explain how much I don't like you. I'll just let my real feelings, like, come out. Like, yeah, the line on, on Ring of Honor recently, like, I can't let a man who has no honour be the Ring of Honor world champion. I like that one as well. I like that line. Um, but yeah, it's it's so as Grant mentioned, it's so petty. But at the same time, it's absolutely hilarious that this is where we've got to with the rivalry. Um, let's talk about the Ring of Honor world. So, in fact, let's get predictions first. Uh, Grant, do you think Eddie gets his win, or do you think Claudio continues his run? Something tells me Eddie's going to win it, free up Claudio to just focus on AEW, and Eddie will kind of start trying to rule the roost at Ring of Honor. Scott? 
Yeah, I think Claudio loses it here because it seems like BCC are going to do a programme against potentially the elite on AEW, so Claudio can focus on that and Eddie can be like the focal point of, of Ring of Honour. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it does make sense to have someone like an Eddie Kingston who, as you mentioned, Scott, isn't going to be in the world title scene in AEW. Put him in the Ring of Honour world title scene and let Claudio go back to his big six-man tag feud with the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, let's talk the Ring of Honour World Television Championship. Samoa Joe versus uh, Mark Briscoe. I like how they've moved Mark Briscoe away from, you know, just randomly teaming with people and appearing and getting wins. And uh, in the wake of his brother Jay's tragic death, it's... It's never easy to sort of move a tag guy away like that, but at the same time they've done it. I'm trying. I'm trying to word it without being insensitive because I'm not trying to be insensitive. The bit respectful about it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a case of he was featured because it was like, oh, let's feature this guy because. You know, it's it's a shame that what happened to him, but you know he's still here. He's still representing the team, and now he's in a feud with a single feud for a championship. He is. We mentioned Eddie Kingston potentially holding up a Ring of Honor if Claudio loses the title and goes back to EW. Mark Briscoe has been in Ring of Honor since day one. If you're going to have someone potentially be the Ring of Honor World Television Champion, you could do worse than a Hall of Famer and a day winner. That's it. Definitely yeah. not, not a problem with that one, like. Yeah. Only problem for Mark Briscoe, unfortunately, is the big Samoan fella called Joe standing in front of him. Um, Samoa Joe's kind of been written out of AEW TV recently after losing the title to Wardlow. Uh, the king of television, only <laughs> with only one title left. But um, I don't know how I feel about this match because I'd like to see Mark Briscoe as world television champion. He's never had the singles title in Ring of Honor. His brother Jay was former world champion. But I'd like to see Joe go after the Ring of Honor world championship because I I don't really. I see him getting lost in the shuffle in AEW. I see him being an absolute killer and potential future world champion again in Ring of Honor. I think with uh, this feud, I think you know, unlike some other places, they've they've kept it respectful, as you guys said, and they haven't had the temptations for Joe to make any references to to Jay, any like distasteful references to to Jay's person, like to add heat to the feud. And like they've done their best, like the video packages and that to explain like it's not just like I want to be a singles champion and everything, like it's the fact he has challenged for the T V title a couple of times, like while Jay was world champion, he's never won it. And he's also never beaten Joe, so now he wants to do these two things at once, you know, and prove that he can also be a single star and carry on the Briscoe name. So it feels like the most obvious like result of the entire card or maybe over the weekend because like he's doing it in tribute to his brother, who Ring of Honor and Tony Khan, everyone's been very respectful of since he's passing. And if Joe somehow won this, I don't think a lot of people would like that. 
Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, he's saying it's his destiny, obviously, as you mentioned, and the and the promo packages as well. So it's it, it's not as if it's just out of nowhere. You know, he he does want to be a singles champion. He has made it clear. Let's um, let's go through some of the the matches just uh, quickly. <coughs> Excuse me, uh, Vikingo against Commander uh, for the Triple A Mega Championship. Vikingo. Uh, finally getting his match with Kenny Omega this past week on Dynamite. Uh, this seems like a, a bit of a showcase match for AAA. I don't know if there's a story with these guys in AAA, but they're going to be going at it WrestleMania weekend, do you think? Vikingo retains or Commander? Vikingo to retain, and I think this match is going to be... It's going to be one of those ones that's going to have like a million gifts come out of it because Vikingo <laughs> is doing some scary-ass shit where it always feels like one inch wrong and he's going to kill himself. Scott? Yeah, I think... Uh, I don't know how long, much longer they're going to keep the AAA belt on Vikingo, but he's going to retain here. And I think this is Tony Khan's way of like... He knows he probably can't sign Vikingo just yet, but he wants to keep him featured on his programming, whether it's Ringo or AEW, probably as much as possible. And probably the same for Commander, because he randomly popped up in that Face of the Revolution ladder match. So he's trying to add as many flippy guys to his roster as he can. And I think, you know, you can take, put this match in between two matches that actually have a story. And like, let's take a break from the serious matches and let's just enjoy a spot fest for a while. Uh, the Embassy defending the six-man titles against AR Fox, Blake Christian and Metalik. Um I'm going to be honest, I hope they unify the both six-man tag titles and I would love for the Embassy to win here and for the House of Black to show up after. It does feel like these belts have become the most forgettable like since <laughs> the buyout because like, they weren't even featured on the first pay-per-view. And like they were on Vincent and the and his group all the while Vincent was in Impact as part of Honor No More, and they didn't even mention he he was a six man champion. The other guys in his group never showed up as part of Honor No More. So, and then also like you said, they got the trios built. So now it feels like there's even littler use for these titles. Yeah, I agree. And Grant, obviously. With a trio's uh, rivalry potentially happening with Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite, it could give both House of Black and the Embassy some some much-needed TV time to keep both titles relevant. See, I want to keep them separate. I didn't want them to unify the titles. The House of Black is a different, different level to anything that you're getting with the Ring of Honor six-man six tag titles. The House of Black's a force. They're producing bangers. Tony just—he needs to be careful and not dilute. Now that he's got Ring of Honor running properly, keep everything separate. It feels like yeah. the embassy. The whole purpose of this embassy group right now is just to stop Brian Cage from leaving. Because for whatever reason, Tony Khan thinks it's very important to keep Brian Cage around. Um, you're talking about keeping things separate. Do you think this could be? <coughs> Excuse me. A swan song for Wheeler Utah going up against Shibata. He is obviously a, been pure champion for quite a while now. He has lambasted the LA Dojo, a, you know, defeating people like Clark Connors. He's called out Shibata, who is the trainer at the LA Dojo, a, to fight him. Do you think this will be a case of much like 
Eddie Kingston, uh, if he beats uh, Claudio, that if Shibata beats Wheeler Utah, that he moves back to AEW and focuses solely on the Blackpool Combat Club stuff. Aye, I think this is if you lose his title, I, th- I think really his, his time in Ring of Honor is has been served. He's he's part of Blackpool Combat Club. They need to treat him as a proper part of that rather yeah. than take him. But th- th- I mean, I mean, Scott will probably want to talk with, uh, agree with me on this. But how the fuck are we getting Shibata in a Ring of Honor title match? But we're not getting him in fucking New Japan. Yeah, I know. Like this is. Weirder than like almost as weird as when he showed up. Like, oh, by the way, you're 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 the dream match opponent for Orange Cassidy, and they're gonna lose via a bunch. Like, just get punched in the face. And and I like the idea of the pure rules for Shibata. Cause, like, Grant, you remember like when he popped back up to have that exhibition like technical match with Zack Sabre Jr. And then they want him to have a catch wrestle match, like catch wrestling rules match at Wrestle Kingdom. And he's and he just went off script and said, "No, we're having a normal match." But I think rules of the pure division could be good for Shibata and I really hope he does one because like he's already lost to Orange Cassidy and you know he claims he's he's good to go but we don't know how many more matches of Shibata we're going to have left so I'd like to see him win something Agreed, heavy agree Plus out of all the club, combat club I can't really go wheel you I'd li- happily see him get kicked in the face I mean him that keeps on dodging <laughs> East meets West that David Campbell he should really be watching this for Chibata, as he calls him, to win. <laughs> uh, Athena going up against Yuka Sakazaki. Uh, Yuka defending anyone that Athena tries to attack post-match. And yeah, Athena's sort of found a, a new a new lease on life and uh, a new lease on life, I should say, and Ring of Honor. She kind of get lost in the shuffle, as many people did in the AEW. And it's good to see her sort of getting more of a spotlight now. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Especially considering Mercedes Martinez, I I cannot go. I do not see the the hype round her. So anyone that defeats her for a championship is a okay with me. <laughs> Yeah, I think her getting given that title is the same reason I think a lot of people think Kingston's going to win his uh, match, isn't that? Like, we, we want you to be a champion, be a, uh, like a big deal, but we can't do it in AEW right now. Yeah, Yuka Zakizaki does seem like a kind of a placeholder thing for her at this pay-per-view. And she has been defending the belt or having like qualifying matches for the belt on, on Dark and that, so she's been around. It really does feel like, weirdly at this point, you know, they're having a ring of honour when they really could actually use her if they want to do this all WWE people versus AEW homegrown wrestlers at the minute. So maybe she'll cross over between the two shows going forward, but I can't see her losing the belt. Grant, do you see her losing the belt or do you see her continuing her run? I see her continuing her run. It, it, Athena seems like the, the Ring of Honor women's division just seems like the perfect place for her at the moment 
wow Tony Khan figures out how to play with his women's toys in the big in the big products. <laughs> it does seem like a place. It it's like the charity show. Look, the toys you're not playing with can go there just now, okay? Someone else can play with these toys just now. Um, let's talk about. We, we talked about Eddie Kingston and uh, Claudio possibly being the main event. I would have no qualms if this was the main event. Lucha Bros, Top Flight, Kingdom, Aussie Open, and La Facio in Global Nabla. <laughs> uh, there we are. And the Reach for the Sky ladder match. Um, I loved the Kingdom and Impact as part of Honor No More. Uh, Lucha Brothers, I think, have been criminally underutilised in AEW. And obviously, you've got Aussie Open, who you guys absolutely love from New Japan Pro Wrestling in there. An absolute crime. (laughs) I am absolutely torn about who I want to win this match. But you know what? I'm going to go to Kingdom. I want the Kingdom to win this. Back in... Back in Ring of Honor, I want them once more to be Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. I mean, more than that, I would go for an Aussie Open win. But as me and Greg will talk about later on, they have other title aspirations, which I think they also need to really win. So I don't see them doing an FTR and like getting multiple titles from multiple promotions. Not just yet, anyway. Uh, Lucha Pro is a weird thing for me because like them being tag champs would be a major boost for Ring of Honor, but also keeping them in Ring of Honor seems like a waste of them when they really should be bigger parts of AEW. Or literally, I can see anybody, I can see all of these teams winning except for Top Flight for a reason. I just can't imagine them winning this match. Uh, and even though it'd be weird to have the heels winning the match, which is technically a tribute to Jay, I definitely like the idea of the Kingdom like being the top heels in the division because. They appeared once on a rampage and then buggered off. Like <laughs> they lost to Borjo, I think. Like and then weren't used again. Like, oh, we're bringing you in. What are we doing? We're not quite ready for you yet. <laughs> yeah, the way you described uh, the Lucha Bros being used there—that putting them there would be good for the brand, but putting them there for them would seem like they would be underutilized. That was the argument I used to have with people about 205 Live back in the day when people would go, why is there not more interesting people on this show? Okay, we'll put Kushida and Roddy Strong on the show. Why are you wasting Kushida and Roderick Strong? Like, are you <laughs> people never happy? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think coming out of this, you could have the likes of Briscoe, Kingston and... You know, if you meant you mentioned the Lucha Brothers there, Scott, them holding three of AEW's titles could um, sorry, it's holding three of Ring of Honor's championship could get more people interested in the brand. I think this is a big this is a big show this weekend for getting more people introduced into the relaunched Ring of Honor and hopefully keeping them for weekly viewing. And I'm just thinking for the pure title, if Shibata wins and Uter goes back to AEW, if Joe's not in the world title picture, we could have Samoa Joe versus Shibata. (coughs) Oh, no. Don't don't you threaten me with a good time. Someone choked there, apparently. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) uh, 
So, ladder match, Grant, who are you going with? Back in the boys that are, are criminally underused as well because they've not been contracted anywhere. Aussie Open. Aussie Open. Scott, you going with the Lucha Bros? Uh, no, I'm going to actually go with the Kingdom. Kingdom, right. Two for the Kingdom, right. We'll move on to... Tories. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to uh, a quick review because we can't preview Multiverse United without reviewing Impact Wrestling Sacrifice, which took place this past Friday night, March 24th, 2023, from the St. Clair College in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Absolutely gutting for Josh Alexander. After nearly a year with the championship, he is injured and has had to vacate the title. So it looks like... Uh, sorry, his match at Multiverse United is no longer happening with Kushida. However, his match at Rebellion against Steve Macklin has now been replaced with Steve Macklin against Kushida. And Scott, let's talk about the main event of this show. Time Machine, Alex Shelley, Chris Saban and Kushida going up against Frankie Kazarian, Rich Swan, and Steve Macklin taking Josh Alexander's place. Um, Impact doing their best to throw a bit of doubt into what we thought was Macklin's inevitable world title win at Rebellion on April 16th by having Kushida tap him out. Mm. Yeah, I think you know, that this was one of the better matches on the show because overall, other than a few exceptions, I actually thought Sacrifice was a little bit you know, below the standard I've come to expect from Impact Wrestling. You know, Unlike what Scott Steiner used to say years ago, it wasn't the numbers that spelled disaster for them at sacrifice, it was the amount of injuries they had to both Josh and Mickey <laughs> And I don't think it's a coincidence that they debuted a group called the Coven, a group of witches, and all of a sudden Impact's champions have been cursed. Uh, but I think we can tell an interesting story from this. Obviously, you know, a lot of people probably don't see Kushida winning, and Max has this whole thing, he kept watching Josh Alexander up and you for over a year, and then he goes in against their opponent he probably doesn't know so well, and then what happens, he falls victim Beat him being smaller than Macklin. He also he's got that, that arm bar that he can use like on anybody and has a legit MMA background, so he easily tapped him out. So it'll lead Macklin to basically realise how much more prepared he has to be to face someone like Kushida at Rebellion. And like you said, it's it's gotten for Josh, but it does leave him with a great story to come back to, which he's not really had much of while he was champion. So having him come back for the title he never lost, I think, will really help. And the time off will help revitalise Josh Alexander for the Impact fans. I'm just going to quickly run down the results uh, in a wee minute. But, Grant, you, we talked about people being underutilised uh, and underrated. Kushida, for a long time, has been underrated and underutilised. He's in the Impact main event of one of their big four pay-per-views. Do you think he has a chance, or do you think the inevitable Steve Macklin title win that's been sort of boiling away for a year is going to happen? I think the Macklin win feels more logical. I, I like what they've done with the whole Kushida getting the upset on Macklin there in the main event. It's a good way to keep things interesting, rather than just being, oh, well, he's, he's absolutely spanked him up and down the place here, so it's going to be an easy win. I mean, really, the main event, though, should it should really be Joe Henry involved in it. Because I believe in Joe Henry. <laughs> <laughs> well, say his name and he'll appear. And he was on this show defending the Impact Digital Media Championship against Brian Myers elsewhere 
On the pre-show, Eddie Edwards defeated Bipinder Gouzier. Rosemary defeated Killing King. Uh, Mike Bailey defeating Jonathan Gresham by submission. That makes their series uh, 1-1. Joe Henry defending the title against Brian Myers for the Impact Digital Media Championship. Joe Henry now Impact's longest reigning uh, digital media champion overtaking Brian Myers after defeating him. Uh, Diona Perazzo defeated Giselle Shaw by submission. PCO defeated Kenny King. Trey Miguel defeated Lindsay Dorado. Bullet Club defended the Impact World Tag Team Championships against TMDK. And Billy Ray defeated Tommy Dreamer in what was a god-awful busted open match. You mean <laughs> Which, that wasn't Eddie Kingston? No, no, it wasn't Eddie Kingston. The highlight of this, by the way, was after the match when Scott Demore, yes, Scott Demore, Team Canada's manager, the... <laughs> The backstage guy, the guy that runs Impact Wrestling, all five foot four and three hundred pounds of him <laughs> doing a Canadian destroyer. <laughs> that was the best thing on this card because no one expected it and the crowd went absolutely mental. So yeah, Scott Demore hitting a Canadian destroyer was the best part of this show. But we review this because it goes straight into our Multiverse United preview because now on the card, eight matches on the card, Diona Perazzo, Giselle Shaw, Masha Slamovich and Miyu Yamashita in a fatal four-way match. It was originally meant to be a fatal five-way featuring Mickey James for the Impact Knockouts World Championship. However, the winner is now going to be added to the Impact Knockouts World Championship match at Rebellion elsewhere. Alex Coughlin, Callahan, Fred Rosser and PCO will take on Eddie Edwards, Joe Hendry, GR Kratos and Filthy Tom Lawler in an eight-man tag team match. Bullet Club, eh, after defending their title at TM, against TMDK, I should say, will now be in a fatal four-way <coughs> tag team match for the Impact World Tag Team Championship. Bullet Club, Aussie Open, Motorcycle Machine Guns and TMDK. Kenta will take on Minoru Suzuki, for the strong openweight championship. Trey Miguel will take on Clark Connors, Frankie Kazarian, Kevin Knight, Rich Swan, and Rocky Romero in a six-way scramble match for the Impact X Division Championship. You'll have Jeff Cobb versus Moose, Mike Bailey, Bailey versus Tanahashi, and Yuyu Yamura versus Gabriel Kidd. So not quite the matches we thought we were going to be getting on this show. We're not getting Kushida against Josh Alexander. Mickey James is not in there. But let's go to that fatal four-way tag team match. Um, Aussie Open, <laughs> Grant, the underrated Aussie Open, as you called them, could be walking away with the Impact World, Knockout, eh, World Tag Team Championship and the Ring of Honour World Tag Team Championships. I would honestly love to see that. I think it could be absolutely wild. And, you know, they've had matches with some of these teams involved. Like, they've had a great match with the Motor City Machine Guns before. And let's face it, motorcycle machine guns are possibly the greatest tag team of all time. At least that's what I'm willing to say. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly, certainly, if not the best of all time, they certainly could be classed as Impact's best team ever. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I know I said earlier, I don't see them doing an FTR just yet. Yeah, I think about it. They've got a shot at the IWGP tag tails coming up. We've got these two tails, which you mentioned, Russ, and all the strong uh, open weight tag titles that Machine Guns are carrying around, they won from Aussie Open and they've been teasing a rematch. So there's a chance at one point in the next month or so, 
but the Aussie Open could win four different titles. There you are. Uh, Bullet Club of Ace Austin and Chris Bay, currently the champions, uh, winning the titles from the Motor City Machine Guns. Do we see them in any danger of losing here, or do we think they're going to retain the titles? Uh, yeah, they're retaining because well, one Bullet Club needs titles at the minute, and they're two or one of the better teams, not named the Machine Guns, currently signed to Impact Wrestling. So I think keep this run going. What about let's talk about um, two men that are going to kick each other's heads in? Kenta versus Minoru Suzuki. Kenta currently the strong openweight champion. Minoru Suzuki, as always. A terrifying human being. <laughs> <laughs> what can we expect from this match? Someone's going to die. <laughs> Fair enough, Scott. What can we expect for this match? Chops. Lots of them. <laughs> and enough chops, and maybe someone will get kicked in the face. But me and Graham were discussing this like off air. We were trying to think like. How many times have these guys actually fought? Because it does actually still feel like a fairly first match. And we feel like I thought they must have fought in Noah and Grant Point. You know, they wrestled in Noah in like 2005 and then didn't fight again until the 2021 New Japan Cup. So this is only the third time either guy has uh, fought each other. And I'm pretty sure going into it, they are tied 1 1. So this is kind of a, a rubber match for these two. And as for the strong Openweight Championship, um, let's talk uh, the fatal four-way match between Perazzo, Shaw, Slamovich and Yamashita. Giselle Shaw has been on quite the run in Impact since she stopped trying to team with everyone and breaking up every team. Um, <laughs> she's got a entourage now. She's got a win over Diona Perazzo at No Surrender. Uh, Diona Perazzo getting the win back at Sacrifice. She's got some big wins on TV. She ran Mickey James close at um, the impact before, <coughs> excuse me, the impact before sacrifice. I can only see Giselle Shaw winning this. I think it's her time. Uh, and if she's added to the match at Rebellion and it's just going up against Jordan Grace, then I think you've got to give the title to Giselle Shaw here because Jordan Grace has had her time with the title and, you know, there's only so many times Giselle Shaw can lose before people stop taking her seriously. Yeah, I think also in terms of <coughs> like, not being able to take somebody seriously, I think for now you keep Mash out of the title picture so you don't have Mash on because she lost twice to Jordan very competitive matches and then had another one she was the first tail defence on, on Impact Plus Special against Mickey James so yeah I, I think she's suffered too many losses at the minute to be she'll, run, she'll end up being like when Braun Strowman finally won the Universal but like yeah, but he lost too many times to like the Brock and, and Roman so nobody cared by that point uh, so I think it's either Giselle as you said or maybe even Deanna goes through uh, have another match between her and Jordan Grace and you know, there's a history between Deanna and Mickey James, and Mickey James does feel fit enough to get into get involved in this match. Deanna as well. Um, she obviously had quite the run with the Impact uh, Knockouts Championship. 
they get kind of lucky with the partnership with Triple A and with Ring of Honor going on hiatus because Diona ends up as both the Reina de Reina's championship uh, champion in Triple A and the Ring of Honor Women's World Champion, which leads to leads to the Champ Champ Challenge. It keeps Diana Perazzo on TV as a champion. She then becomes part of the Knockouts Tag Team Champions with Vex and Chelsea Green before losing them, before Chelsea Green leaves the company. So they've had, they've got lucky with Perazzo and other aspects because she's been able to be kept busy and kept strong with other championships. But it's getting to that point as well for her that she is one of these superstars. You can't not have her in the title picture. So th- this is where Impact only having one women's championship sort of sort of hurts them because Diana Perazzo is she is sensational, I think. I think she's one of, if not the best uh, wrestler, certainly in the three North American promotions go, uh, going at the minute. So, yeah, if she I mean, was to win, I wouldn't mind, but... I mean, you say about, like, there's only one title, like, single sale woman can challenge for me. People forget, because Jordan Grace was the first holder that the digital media title is in an agenda title, and also Women of Challenge for the X-Division title, because also there's, the whole, there's no limits to this, to who can challenge for it. So I think if we wanted to have someone like a Diona Perazzo, a Jordan Grace, or even a Masha Slamovich, like, you didn't have anything for them in the knockouts division. I don't, I don't see why Impact sh- aren't like taking more advantages potential for intergender wrestling with the digital media or even X division titles. Because you imagine like Trey Miguel coming out and trash talking, be spray painted belt, and then all of a sudden he gets stepped up to by like someone like Buddy Masha Slamovich. No, absolutely, I agree. Um, well, let's talk about Trey Miguel. He's going to be in a six way scramble match with Clark Connors, Kazarian, Kevin Knight, Rich Swan, and Rocky Romero. Um, that was easy for me to say with a bunged up nose <laughs> <laughs> six way scramble match does this mean they've not really I think it's just a six pack challenge mm-hmm. I don't think they've said that it's going to be like every so often someone comes in do we see a title change here because Trey Miguel's first run with the X Division title I really enjoyed his I'm so moody and I'm spray painting graffiti because I come from a broken home gimmick is really not doing anything for me at the minute. It's starting to annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the highlight he feed was when he fought a 60-year-old man on impact for the title. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you leave Mike Jackson alone. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really don't see any of these guys winning it. I mean, Connors and Kevin Knight are still recently fresh out of the LA dojo, they finally got in characters of their own, so I don't see anything there. I mean, you definitely spin this off into something else, like Gazette or him versus Gazette or him versus Swan, but no, I don't argue with you, I'm not enjoying the rain, but unfortunately it's not going to end here. I think you could spin it off into something with Kazarian, because Kazarian did give up the title mm-hmm. for option C. <laughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, him against Trey Miguel, could be good, but well, it's, it's not a great rain. It's not a great rain, but what will be great is two meaty men slapping meat. Jeff Cobb and Moose Grant 
Oh yes, big big old cob. That is going to be a fucking belter. That is going to be a banger. Because <laughs> as much as I I'm not a big fan of Moose, he puts he puts on a good match when he wants to. Yeah, it'll be a kind of week of bangers for Jeff Cobb because the day before he's got Dynamite against Kenny Omega for the US title, so it's a busy week for old Jeff Cobb. Let's talk about uh, the US title because Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kenny Omega won that title from Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay was meant to be facing Mike Bailey here. Unfortunately, New Japan have pulled him uh, from this show. He won't be at Security Genesis on April 8th either. And it looks like the goal is to get him back for Forbidden Door to, to have him go up against Kenny Omega for that US Championship again. But certainly not, uh, certainly not a downgrade and replacement as Mike Bailey is going to go one-on-one with Tanahashi. That's still going to be a good match. Tanahashi can still can still put it out for his age and Mike Bailey let's face it, Mike Bailey has been an absolute fucking breakout for impact. Yeah, absolutely. The sixty minute Ironman match with uh, sorry, sixty minute world championship match against Josh Alexander. The rivalry currently going up against Jordan uh, Jonathan Gresham, sorry. Uh, he's currently 1-1 in that feud and yeah going up against Tanahashi I think as you said 46 year old now but can still put on bangers for his uh, for his age mm-hmm. it, it is weird this is like the second as some people point out the second time Tanahashi's been involved in a, a promotional like cross promotional match uh, from like M- from New Japan to another company and he's been involved in a match where somebody got injured. First, he was his opponent got changed after Punk broke his foot, and now he himself is the replacement for for Will Osprey. Uh, but I, I think I said I still think this will be a great match as well, and it's really be interesting to see if Mike Bailey uh, comes out with the win on this one. But oh, I had a question for you guys. You mentioned Jeff Cobb before, and like I'm having the US Steel match. Do, do you guys believe this? Because I've heard a lot of people saying this. Like I've seen a lot of people joking under the comments when the AEW announced it. I forgot the US title existed. So, like, do you think like going for so long between Kenny winning it and Kenny defending against Jeff Cobb is almost kind of they've almost like wasted all the buzz that they got from Kenny showing up at Wrestle Kingdom this year? They definitely missed an opportunity by not having that US title getting more exposition. I think we've talked about it in the, like the kind of the group chat where it's like. Omega should be wearing that US title when he's coming out in the AEW. Give it some recognition. Mm-hmm. He, he wore it for a week and then didn't because then he was focused on trios stuff. But like, you remember when Boxley lost it to Lance Archer on AEW like, in 20, like a three-week span 
where we had three weeks of dynamite with either Ruby and like, and that's got more. That was he would have thought he would have something like that with Kelly. Okay, like, he'd wear it on TV. And I don't think it's beyond saving this like storyline. Him holding the belt. I think that all depend on how they do like the next stage with Osprey when Osprey's healthy. Yeah, I um, I mentioned this in the group chat as Grant said. Um, I don't have a problem with people being champions in other promotion and winning those titles. And, you know, you can kind of give leeway to them not being defended because you know it's not that promotion's title. Um, Mozart Machine Guns currently holding the New Japan Strong Tag Team titles is the prime example of that. They won it on an episode of Impact. They haven't really defended them yet, I don't think. But they wear the titles every week on the show. Then... Having Kenny Omega with the trios title and the IWGP United States title, it elevates both belts because it's like, man, this guy's got titles here and he's got titles there. Like, oh my God. But he's done this with the the AAA championship. He only really started wearing that because he wore the Impact title and he wore the the AEW title, so he had to wear the, the AAA title. Like I said, he should be wearing it on shows and if he's not defending it, you can ignore it for the simple fact that excuse me, it's another company's belt so you know that he's he's defending that elsewhere and that's what these cross-brand uh, cross things should be doing. It should be it should be building these relationships. It should be saying hey fans, by the way, if you want to see Kenny Omega defend this title He's defending it this coming, you know, X date against X opponent on New Japan show called, you know, whatever. And it can it continues the relationship and it allows fans to, you know, check out more stuff, basically. But yeah, yeah. He, he should be wearing the title. Yeah, because like, we had that US show battle in the Valley. I know like, all the buzzer and it was having Mercedes money on the show, but I really think if they either managed to get Kenny on that show, uh, even if that they just had the Cobb match there, that would have like created a lot of buzz. Like, obviously, a big part of New Japan and like from like 2016 onwards, getting a lot of attention in the US was partly, in large part, to do with Kenny Omega and his matches and stuff he was doing with the Elite. So. Who would have thought like they would have wanted to capitalize on defending the US belt on a New Japan show in America with one of the more recognizable Western stars that New Japan has ever had? Yeah, I think they should. But anyway, this sounds like we're gonna delve into New Japan territory, which is not my bag. It is the bag of you guys because you do East meets West. So I'm gonna step away just now, guys, and I'm gonna allow you to preview Sakura Genesis and let us know everything that's been going on in the New Japan the New Japan Cup I should say I'd also like to bring up just before we go in New Japan about Kota Ibushi being at GCW this weekend as well because that'll be massive yeah there's always somebody who has like a, like a lot of matches in like a three day span and gets to be like the most talked about person of Armenia weekend last year I think it was Mike Bailey and this year, I definitely think it's going to be quite a bush that everyone's talking about from the uh, from the non WWE kind of shows. And the fact that he is wrestling Mike Bailey on Bloodsport. 
you're also fighting Joey Janela at one of the GCW shows. Uh, but he doesn't know who he is. <laughs> yeah, I, I was looking at some uh, matches uh, from me. I mean, kind of like not a lot of the bit more interesting ones are going to be from GCW, but this one, I didn't know the approach. It's not from GCW, but it was a random six man tag match, which is Team Filthy of Baller uh, and the West Coast Red Crew, you know, Team Filthy taking on Ishida, Alex Shelley. An Ultimo Dragon. What? Yes, so it basically it's credited as Time Splitters and Ultimo Dragon. I, I, I really hope I, I, I want to watch that. That could actually be an absolute banger. Yeah, interesting. Uh, what are some of the other ones that you found that you want to, to bring up? So obviously, I've mentioned uh, Ibushi v mike bailey but also ddt's got a card and there's two tag team matches that are interesting to me there's one which is chris brooks and yoshihiko v the 37 kamina who is mao and shunma katsumata uh, chris brooks i'm just obviously still high on him from the fact that he was doing such a massive job for schadenfreude in the uk and cck before and if you think that's where aussie open got their big break oh, yeah. thanks thanks to chris brooks over here and there's also Rossi's favourite Billy Ray impersonator, Eddie Kingston, is in a tag match with Yun Ka- Akiyama against Damnation TA, Daisuke Sasaki and Cannon. So it's it's an interesting because I, I have started to kind of roughly follow DDT a little bit just because Jack Morris has been there. So it's a shame he's not in the collective one. That would be quite interesting. Imagine Jack Morris in WrestleMania weekend. Well, he's getting around New Japan basically. Well, he's getting around Japan right now, isn't he? You know, Noah, then this. He's just helping. It's weird that, like, I, I heard that DET was working, uh, doing shows, nursing me a weekend. But it's weird that, you know, Koibushi, a man renowned from his time in DET, isn't on any of these shows. So, like, you would have thought as soon as he left Japan, became a free agent, DET would be like, we'll have you back here. Thank you very much. I know. It's like, come on, we can get you banned for the Budokan again. Come on, let's let's make a list of venues. You you point to the ones you want to get banned from. <laughs> but yeah, those two like there, there's like I would say there's twelve GCW shows. There's far too much. I've not even had a chance to look at every card card on there. Those ones are quite good. You've got Killer Kelly v's Marina Shafir, John Moxley v's Alec Coughlin, and Josh Barnett v's Timothy Thatcher also happening on Bloodsport. So they're going to be good to watch. Oh yeah, like Bloodsport's one of the more intense and one of the more interesting ones to check out because as out of majority of the shows like GCW WrestleCon shows, you ha- it's one of the ones that you see lining up. It makes you kind of stand up and take it, pay attention to like, oh, these are some interesting fights here. Yeah, Bloodsport's always been. I'd probably say it usually ends up being my favourite non WWE or big promotion show of the weekend because Bloodsport just has such a different feel to it. Absolutely. But again, honestly, some things are going on in uh, ESSR at the minute where we will not be able to record an episode of East Beast West until sometime late April. But also by then it would be too late for us to talk about the New Japan Cup so we've been afforded this time to do a mini basically we've done a takeover of Central. <coughs> Painted the letters E M W over. <laughs> it. We've taken over the show, and we're going to briefly talk about the New Japan Cup uh, for a little while. 
not going a full in-depth review of it. And to give some quick predictions for Sakura Genesis. And we'll be back at the end of April to talk about Sakura Genesis. And then by then we'll be leading up to Dontaku and the best of the Super Juniors. It will be happening throughout most of May. So right, we'll talk about the, the two New Japan Cup finalists before we talk about the finals itself. Uh, an interesting cup. Uh, we had the two finalists were Sanada, who went through Taichi, Kenta, Tetsuya Naito, and Mark Davis, more on him in a little bit, taking on David Finlay, the newest member and seemingly the newest leader of Bullet Club. So I was wrong when I assumed he wasn't going to be in Bullet Club or take over Jay White's spot. He defeated Ishii, Ryokan, sad face, Jota uh, <laughs> Umino, and Tamatonga to get to the final. Very interesting journey for both men, where both men's journeys involved like having a change in look either before or during the tournament, and them switching allegiances and changing up their style to to get them and doing what they need to to get closer to becoming IWGP heavyweight champion. I called it. I called it in the last show prediction. I said Sonada. I said it would be his year. I said it would happen. My boy's doing it. He's might have had to do something real dramatic to get there. New finisher which now has a name, The Deadfall. Nice. Great name. And, yeah, now that the big ball heeds off, we can talk about the real wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know you were big into Sinada saying this is a year, uh, but to be fair, you've said that for just about every year so far, so uh, it's hard to really take out your word. But we did really hype on, on English commentary about, you know, Sinada, he came into the new... To back from excursion into New Japan to come to help Tetsuya Naito win the 2016 New Japan Cup. Oh, and when Sonata had a chance to win the New Japan Cup in 2018, Naito wasn't there for him. So try, they were they were planting the seeds of dissension in your own minds about this. And yeah, we should talk about it. In the quarterfinal, Sonata defeated Naito with the new finisher and joined what was then just four guys now it's just five guys and hopefully it'll be you know not as overpriced for a burger you can get anywhere else like uh for a product you can get anywhere else like the actual five guys but yeah just five guys and i had a very calcity just told lig to get out the fucking ring and then showed up the next show with his hair dyed so as i said to you in the group chat you know the boy has become a man that's it He's made big moves. My boys had to go in. It's the first time LIJ has ever had a defection. And LIJ has been around for years. It's quite, compared to pretty much any other stable, they were pretty much the most consistent, non-changing. Did Sanada maybe go for a new sponsorship deal? Is he relishing the opportunity? <laughs> Perhaps. Many That's... more burger puns might arrive. arise out of this. You never know. Well, let's just hope those jokes are more well done than your previous jokes. But, oh, come on, that was better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> but, yeah, it's weird the way, like, LIJ's reacted. Like, Naito just talked about it kind of offhandedly in the backstage comments, saying, oh, you know, you said there's nothing for you to gain from LIJ after you beat me. You joined some, but you joined Taichi and you beat him, so it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Whereas Shingo's the only one who seems truly pissed off, like, you're going in a faction with fucking Taichi. <laughs> The look on Shingo's face when the cameras caught it was just one of absolute sheer shock. Like he did not see that coming. Whereas Taichi's been putting he's been putting the 
the seeds in there for a while. And I love the fact that this this tournament ended up being a lot more condensed. They didn't draw out with a lot more clean finishes as well. Sad about Osprey during it, that injury was unfortunate. Mark Davis got a hell of a run out of it, though. Oh, yes. Like, he's had a hell of a journey. We'll talk about him later on. But also, I do love that Sonada, like, he started off, like, taking a lot of punishment in these matches. You know, he's been on this slump, and then something just awakens inside of him during the Tai Chi match where he suddenly snaps in. All right, then he drags me inside, hits him with a fucking pile driver. And then. It's nearly nowhere when he's beaten down, he gets this finisher. He can head out of nowhere, and that's it. The match is done. Every match in this tournament he's had, he won it with that move. So I think it's so in the season of doubt, you know, oh, if he hits this on Okada, will Okada be able to kick out of it? <laughs> I mean, this is the only obstacle we've now got ahead of us. Okada is in prime dickhead Okada mode. Quite often when Okada is in dickhead Okada mode, he does not get to lose. I am worried. <laughs> Oh yeah, I love that Okada's much embracing how we've basically been betraying him for months now. How we've seen him, he's now embracing it. Like these fucking guys keep trying to step up to me. I'm fucking Okada. Do you know? Do you know what that means? Do you like, know who the fuck I am, boy? Do you know who my dad is? <laughs> like he had this stuff with Kaito Kiyomiya that we talked about, and Noah. Then they had that match. Him and Tanahashi. I know they got some ovens in, but for the most part, they wiped the floor with a. Uh, with Shota and Ren Narita during that match. Like, Shota was even legal, but he ran in to like, okay, let's hit you with an elbow and a high five, though. And, like, one of them shoves Okada off the apron, and Okada gives him a look like, all right, then, you're going to regret that, Slayer. He's <laughs> like, I am not taking this shit from you. I'm very, I was very interested uh, when that match was announced, and like, I'd actually like to see Shota and Renneria team up more in the future. Speaking of Okada and fucking Tanashi Attack match, I think WWE and other promotions has, has fucked my opinion of when two big name singles wrestle chance for tag titles because Kevin Kelly tried to say, like, oh, you know, actually, it's weird that Tanashi and Okada is decorated. <laughs> Shimon, they chance the tag titles. I'm thinking, like, no, they're fucking not. There's Tanashi and Okada. And then the Bishamon won. I'm like, huh. Well, fair enough to Japan because as they painted it, like these guys might be the best singles wrestlers, but they're not the best tag team. They're not a better tag team than Bishamon and the better team won. So, fair fucks to Yoshashi. You finally got a proper win over Okada. Only took like what about 20 years, but he got there finally. <laughs> yeah, basically. You know, and also Okada, you know, quite conveniently doesn't take the pin in this match. <laughs> It's just like, oh, wow, look at it, I didn't. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Who'd have thought? Uh, yeah, but going over to the to the other side of things, David Finlay showing up with his really bad Just For Men dyed beard, <laughs> his shillelagh and his new senpai. He's got Gado, now called Bloody Hands, rather than the Blacksmith, as his nickname, and his corner. He had a very dominant showing against Bloody <laughs> against... Uh, Ishii and he, he beat Okan, he beat, Okan, he beat Shota Umino, he beat Tamatonga, another former Bullet Club member. He's also they've been teasing this stuff with him and El Fantasmo. So, really, it was nice that they had actually more than one person who could possibly win this. And as the tournament went on, they really started putting down you like, it's looking like Finlay's going to fight Sonata. Like, 
And you could actually see New Japan going with literally either one of these two. I, that's it. There is like it. It doesn't matter what way you were going with it. It was going to be. It was going to be interesting. F- Finley, like you know, as as you say, it's like we were both like, ah, it's not going to be Bullet Club leader, is he? And it, it now feels like Bullet Club's got his first leader. Where I'm like, is this the top guy? Is this the right guy? Mhm. I know. Like considering you've got ELP there, you've got Kenta there as well. Uh, it's weird. Uh, this is the guy they choose. He's the guy you come in from outside, and we still got this thing. Part of issue was like we we made a deal. You know, us and Bullet Club said that, said that we would let we would let Jay go off in the sense be the first guy not to get attacked by or betrayed by members of Bullet Club. Dave been like I wasn't part of that deal. I wasn't even added to the Bullet Club group chat yet because I think Robbie Eagles has let us know that literally every. I now think every faction in New Japan has their own group chats. <laughs> well, of course, Robbie, Robbie Eagles. Well, we've got to talk about him and his his group chats as well. Oh yeah, fucking it's a month for people swapping allegiances, isn't it? But what's well, also interesting, what was nice of these guys, uh, your two finals in New Japan Cup to do is take two of my picks. That I, well, I was going with my heart over my head to win it in Tai Chi and Great Okan, who I'd like to see win it. And very honest stuff like, no, no, what, listen to your head next time. Don't you ever make decisions with your heart. Like, oh, okay. Because I knew that it was a shot in the dark for Great Okan to win it this year, maybe next year, big man. But I legit thought Taichi was in with a shout. And then at first I was kind of sad they lost the Sanada, but then I saw where the story was going. I was like, oh, it was all part of the plan. And, you know, we, we've had some heartbreak for the Empire, but the Empire has also grown in the last few days. Yes, recently adding Dan Maloney, uh, formerly from NXT UK. I, I found it hard to take him seriously for a while before checking out some of his recent stuff on the UK Indies because I just remembered him from his like bit to camera at that UK tournament where he sat there going on about, I've seen things. I saw things from an age a young man shouldn't see. And they asked him, what did you see? I can't talk about it. <laughs> you fucking brought it up, mate. <laughs> I just I really hope he gets new new ring music. Otherwise, all I'm going to hear is Dan, 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 Dan. Dan. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for him to come over to Japan because I you got to think yeah, Chris Shelton's Max is somebody who watches Alan Partridge, so I want I would buddy Chris Shelton making Alan Partridge references. <laughs> Dan will imagine he comes over, but then. Well, let's be a bit of a tweet about Dan Malloy and credit him for all the hard work he did during like the recovery of the UK indie scene. And said, watch out, juniors. And we're like, he's not a fucking junior. Like, he's the much a junior as Buddy Shingo Takagi was a junior. And there was no fucking way Shingo Takagi was a junior when he joined New Japan. He w- he, his arms were wider than my whole fucking body. This guy looks like he's going to have to do what Matt Hardy did to lose weight to be cruiserweight champion back in 2003, literally before every juniors match. Just running on the treadmill, making sure he's just under the the weight requirement to be a junior heavyweight. I go run the treadmill in a big pint of Pentalax. <laughs> I think, I would like to say though, Elite Empire is just at that perfect level of members where they don't fall overblown like some other factions, so I like to say he will and Gideon Green and whoever else is recruiting. Just kind of slow it down a little bit. Because I know it's too early to see what Dan will do as part of the group. But I think we're at a perfect number for that group right now. 
that's it. They've they've thinned out a lot. They've got grown a little bit. Some of the bigger ones have thinned down a little bit. Other ones have grown. We've got just five guys. TMDK's had a new addition. Which yeah. didn't surprise me really when I think about it. Mm-hmm. But <coughs> then we got to the finals of the New Japan Cup. Uh, Finlay versus. Uh, I did like also the fact that Finlay they they get mentioned on with Kevin and, and Chris that oh you know he's, he's actually not really relied on their fans. No, Gato's not even been a factor much, unlike he used to be when he was with Jay White. So he maybe shows he has more confidence in in David Finlay. And David Finlay's not even had to use the Shillelagh as of yet. And like I said, I thought either way it could have it could have swung either way at any point, but he hits that finish. They even feel like that long a match, which is which is good for New Japan because sometimes the main events can feel like they're going on for far too long. It hits the his new move. One, two, three, Sarah so wins. And I love the days thinking he's finally just walks over and kind of reaches out at the trophy like it was almost mine. Precious. But it wasn't. Because you weren't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have like the showdown between Sanada and and Okada after the match I basically just feel like two guys have finally decided they don't give a fuck anymore just kind of going back and forth like oh, you're good but you know you know Okada and then basically like hey Okada I won the New Japan Cup so kindly suck off that's <laughs> it ah, so Okada just came out tried to tried to talk down to him it's like you know what fuck you <laughs> so yeah that will be a very interesting story between those two uh, I mean, I think we talked about it kind of off air, but where do you see like LIG going from here? Because yeah, they had evil betrayal and that led to a feud between well, first him and Naito and then him and Sonada. But then we got Sonada kind of didn't like betray them or anything. He just decided like, like I'm gonna go with these guys now. And I don't know how LIG responds. It does feel like they should like. Be angry about it. I actually would like to see LIG lean into like because they reminded of oh they're a Rudolph faction. They sometimes cheat. Like I want to be full on heelish a bit more. LIG because it's weird. They've got like Titan who's barely around anymore. You got two juniors and two heavyweights at the minute. They feel very small compared to other factions, and I think it would be good for them to like show some new attitude in response to Sanada leaving because. There's only so far this whole we don't care attitude can really take them. That's it. There's like to me, I, there, there is like two possible ways I can see. One of them that I, I think creates intrigue would be because Naito just seems very lackadaisical about it, where Shingo is probably incensed. And I'd love to see Shingo just pretty much turn to Naito and go, show some fucking passion. We've lost one of our boys. Yeah. Either pull your shit together or I'm taking over. Mm hmm. Oh, it'd be interesting. I mean, when other factions are getting slightly smaller or a bit bigger, like LIG feels weird. It feels like that was always just the right number. Now I'm wondering, like, do we bother putting a new guy to replace an ad in? Are we just, are we fine? Because, you know, I don't know how much more we can handle these people jumping back and forth from bloody factions. You know, in the case of, like, bloody, the people who always need to, should be kicked out of factions, never seem to get kicked out. Looking at you, Chase Owens, as a torture, even you, Fally, like, but it's always the members you don't want to leave that end up leaving factions. Aye, that's it. I mean, you know, we could go on about this for a long time, but we are trying to keep this to to the point. 
Yeah, I'm just saying it's weird. <laughs> uh, Mark Davis, by the way, fucking well, uh, what I've shown here, he had a match against Toriano, which a lot of people ripped apart because they were sick of Yano shenanigans. He had the match with Osprey. Osprey won despite the injury. Then uh, he had the Mark Davis got put back in as a sub, and had the match against Evil, which it, where it finally feels like with the crowds being able to vocalise themselves, we finally found an pr- appropriate place for House of Torture. They are now prime. Oh God, not them! Like position, like whenever you need a baby face to have a triumphant win against someone you really, really, really don't want to win, call House of Torture, and like the full on like rallying the troops to chase off, uh, to chase off House of Torture, and the fucking noise in Corgan Hall when Mark Davis pinned Evil <laughs> was, was something else. I do love the fact that Mark Davis's finisher, they keep shortening the name. It's like, close your eyes. It's like, no, no, no. It's a cl- close your eyes and count to fuck. Say the full name. <laughs> that, like, that pile driver is just so vile looking compared to others. I love it. Yeah, a lot of people comparing um, to Stan Hansen. Uh, he's like repacked on the size and he's got the big moustache. And they all that comparison. Also love that as part of it, check it, you should check out the backstage comments from that match if you haven't checked them out already. With like Empire Dragon Dick Togo backstage handcuffed to Great Okan. And I remember when House of Doctor came out for the next show, Kevin Kelly said on commentary, the stupidest person on, in New Japan is whoever let Dick Togo out of those handcuffs. <laughs> that was outstanding. Honestly, some of the backstage comments, especially Davis ones when like he didn't he didn't win. It was actually it was it was proper emotional. That man gave it everything. We also had some really good commentary guests across the uh, the tour. You had like both members of the Open. You had Hanare, Jeff Cobb. Uh, but my favourite was obviously ELP, where he gets joking that the, sh- the semi-finals was really just a house show and kind of trying to get people to come over commentary talk to them. He said that you know the Open got opportunities in the UK mainly because NXT UK signed everyone else away. And uh, they also when Kevin goes on about oh. A lot of women and young children here, you know, there was a time when Japan's family's fan base was mostly uh, 43-year-old men, and now, and you know, he cuts off and goes, now they're all at stardom. <laughs> Honestly, if anything, if, if ELP is going to do something when he's not wrestling, just put him on comedy more, uh, on commentary more, because he's just fucking gold. Mm-hmm. I really look forward to seeing him probably being portrayed sooner rather than later by David Finlay, see where he goes from there. Maybe he'll go over to Hontai with uh, with Tama Tonga or have them reunite. But you know, I'll be interested to see what happens there. But we, uh, I don't think there's anything else the Japan Cup wise to talk about. Uh, we we just good to just go into the into the Sakura Genesis matches. Let's go straight into them. Yeah. Well, I talk about a couple of Road Two matches because they try to pack some of the title matches they can fit on Sakura Genesis onto the Road Two shows. Where we have on April second, the same day as WrestleMania, we do have a a KOPW match. Shingo uh, Takagi defending against Aaron Hanare as a result of Hanare's win of an tag match and in the first round of the New Japan Cup. And Hanare said, "Since I beat you twice, I should be allowed to pick the stipulation." And I think he described it as like a something ultimate triad match or something like that. Where it's like no countouts, no DQs, it's pen submission or knockout. <laughs> They're all like putting funny names onto like what is essentially the same stipulation each time. Yeah, basically. 
uh, yeah, on the yeah, ultimate trial package, double take there. Uh, it's a hell of a show for Inari, but I don't think he's going to win the tail yet. But I think as this cup is recently to go by, then he's in for big things later on this year. They're definitely they're definitely warming up some of their like some of the kind of what you would say lower card members in a lot of these factions are now getting a time to shine. Hanari, Okan, the likes of like Tai Tai Chi taking over like with his own stable and that there is there is big potential, big upside here. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, you, are you going with Shingo or uh, it's your official prediction? Or are you going with Anari? Always Shingo. Always the dragon. I don't think we'll argue too much about this result here. On the third theme event is to be a six man tie team table match with Strong Style, Renamia, Suzuki, and Desperado uh, defending against the former champions, the House of Torture. Love that House of Torture beat them, beat up Desperado and Renamia when they knew Suzuki wasn't there. And they're like, Hey, where's your belts? How come you didn't bring the belts out? And knowing full well, they tried to retire the belts when they had them so they didn't have to defend them. <laughs> Here's the history of the House of Torture, but I think everybody wants Parts of Torture to be far away from these belts as possible. That's it. Like, the House of Torture thing, it just it just needs to end. It just needs to be buried. You know, they actually have good members within them. Show is a good wrestler. Evil has shown in the past when he's not doing shitbag shenanigans and is just allowed to be a bit of a powerhouse, he's also a very good wrestler. Let them go back to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then let Yujiro fuck off. Because he's easily the, the worst one out of the three. But I definitely think Strong Tag are going to win. Also, in the semi main event, it's going to be an interesting tag match where you have just two guys of team being represented by Tai Chi and Sonata taking on the dream team of Okada and Tanahashi. So it's a hell of a big tag match to put on the road, too. Tanahashi's eating the pin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I definitely see a big tag run in, in store for just two guys of. Uh, that being the Tai Chi Zanada combination. But we have we only secure Jess's a lot of time matches in the undercard. Let's not waste your time with those. Let's talk about the actual title matches for the show. For the first time uh, for our first match in Japan over this recent run, her first defense of the IWGB Women's Championship, Mercedes Mane <laughs> takes on Izumi and Hazuki in a triple threat match because they both wanted uh, a match with her, so she's in this triple threat match. And the owner of this, probably Money, will take on Mayu Iwatani at a stardom show later on in April. So, two defences next month for that title. I think we all know that it's going to be some time before Mercedes drops that title, but it's nice to see one, her in Japan, but also New Japan embracing the a match that <coughs> the triple threat match. Yeah, that's uh, honestly, I think that could be because I mean, when she won the belt from from Kyrie. That match was brilliant. So if they give them the time, I, I can see we're going to get an, another absolute belt belt out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shota Umino is getting a shot at the NGBW TV Championship. The fourth defense already for Zach Fibonacci has been defending it in Japan at Battle in the Valley. Defended it in Bloody Ring of Honor. Uh, Shota Umino beat him in the New Japan Cup. Shota, um, he's getting better. He's still slowly, but surely out of the two, I, I definitely see more in the short term in Renneria, but definitely there is some long-term benefit to Shota. 
I'm also happy that they decided to edit his entrances to like the camera falls in front of backstage outwards and not. Oh look, the lights are shining around. Where could he be? Where could he be? There he is. It's like I'm not falling for that bullshit. Oh, I'm so surprised. Here he is. <laughs> uh, uh, I think you know what. If there was going to be any sort of shock on this card, I think part I would be dead to say that they would give it to Shota, but I I don't think that's happened. No, I do like the fact they're kind of picking up. It's like yeah. Shota did beat Zack Sabre Jr. in the cup. It took him more closer to 30 minutes than 15, so can he even do that in the clock? Mm. I, I, I even think they could go one step further and have it actually be the first match to go the 15-minute time limit, and then that can try and deny a rematch, but Shota can keep basically pestering him and like, like getting pins and tag matches over like uh, Fujita, Billy, and saying, go on, give me, a, give me a rematch, give me a rematch, dickhead. <laughs> I would also love the idea of Zach either beating him or getting that draw, denying him so many times, and then Shota goes, you know what? I'm going to call my dad. Moxley. I'm, I'm telling my dad on you. Get, getting that match that we were denied at the start of the pandemic. Moxley shows up. Which one of them was it, son? It was him, dad. It was him. Him with the blonde hair. Him that's taking the divorce bad. Right, he's getting battled. Uh, the IWGP heavyweight tag team titles, uh, Bishamon, Yoshihashi and Goto taking on Aussie Open. I mean, we've already made our love of Aussie Open clear on this show. If you listen to East Meets West, you'll know that we love Aussie Open. I mean, I'm hoping that if any result, if I could just influence one match result here, it would be this one. I mean, come on, give it to Aussie Open. That's it. I stand by my saying when I say Aussie Open are underrated. They're they're finally getting their opportunities around the place, but no one has picked them up for a contract. No one has put a title titles around them, and that is just madness. Well, they got that brief run with the the New Japan Strong ones, but that wasn't enough for me. I want more. <laughs> yeah, give us this, and then FTR can lose screw screw to the Gun Club, and we can have FTR uh, Aussie Open too. This time it's personal. Uh, at some point for the IWGP tag titles. Uh, interesting, we, we referenced this earlier on the defection. Robbie Eagles, after a hell of a match between Hiromu and Leo Rush, where I really thought Leo Rush was going to win it, Hiromu uh, put him away in an excellent match, and then Zach Jr. came out and went, oh, you you here for your next challenge. Not me, I'm honestly not a junior. But he said, you're going to fight the newest member of TMDK. And it was Robbie Eagles revealed to be the newest member which also his wee video clip also shows clips of of Hiromu tapping out to Hiromu, special Robbie Eagles' submission move. And Robbie Eagles has successfully defended the IWGB heavyweight title against Hiromu in the past. So I know they're trying to emphasise that Hiromu wants to break the record for most defences for the junior title, but be a hell of a statement for Robbie Eagles. That's it. Eagles has. He always felt lost in chaos to me. Like he got that run with the belt, but it didn't really come to much. This is a chance, again, to put someone in a new light and give them a big chance, a big push. So I'm I'm, I'm behind Eagles for this. I would love to see it. Uh, it'd be a hell of a thing to have him go into, into the Super Juniors with that title. Although I think one benefit to having 
Hiromu going to the Junior's as champion as we can guarantee that he won't fucking win it again. <laughs> three years in a row he's won it. In the third one, I was less understanding about because we opened up the, the forbidden door, we opened up the borders again, and Hiromu still found, managed to find a way to win it, beating it. Desperado, who I love is dearly, I really wanted Desperado to win that year. But like we came back to that Desperado match, like out of all the match combinations you could have told you, how did you end up coming back to this? What was the point of having a tournament just to come back to this fucking thing? That's it. it just, it's like, stop going back to the well. You have all of these toys. Stop playing with the same damn toys, Gero. <laughs> I know. He, he, he does love doing that. He's, he's as bad as Tony Khan for doing that, but I'd like to see Rob Eagles win. As much as I'd like to see Sonata finally get the big one, I don't see it happening. I told you before, like off air, I don't see Okada lose that belt until Wrestle Kingdom when he probably loses it to Osprey, who I think still winning the G1. But I think coming out of it, you can still protect Sonata. He and Taichi can have a hell of a run dominating the heavyweight tag division. But it's interesting to see that these newer versions of these characters finally meeting in. What, what, what back in 2019 wasn't exactly a fresh match anymore, but it feels... You know, a new coat of paint's been put on it. Ah, that's it. This It's hard to really see past Okada right now, which is annoying because I would love to see Sanada get get the, get the big one. It would be fantastic. And he said in an interview himself, he says, this is what feels interesting, the fact that everyone's discounting them already. He's like, if I pull it off, it would be a major upset. But like you said, I, I, it's hard to see Okada dropping the belt before Wrestle Kingdom. I can I can honestly see him holding it the full year. Hmm. Yeah, because Okada doesn't. Well, when he was wins a belt, especially when he wins it like Wrestle Kingdom, he doesn't lose it until at least Dominion, like when he lost it to Jay White. And if he holds it past that, and as you win, he holds it all the way to Wrestle Kingdom. Like Okada doesn't do short title reigns. Yeah, that's it. Like, what's it? his Dominion losses have been Jay White, Omega. I think who else did Naito beat him at Dominion before? Well, actually, Naito is one of the few people who beat him like at Secure Genesis, and then he won a package Dominion. But even then, Okada had won it at like the summer or so, like the previous year. So he still was having a long reign when he lost at Secure Genesis. So, well, God, if, if they mentioned the idea of Okada losing here, like, what do you mean? You know, I don't hold the title for lost for less than six months. That's it. That's it, Okada's got his big boy pants on again. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, Gero, I had 720 days last time. I want 721. He's like Dudley when he sees all his presents at the start of the first Harry Potter movie. <laughs> like, no, you can't get them all. No, I want them all. I want the tag belts as well. You can't have the tag belts. <laughs> Yeah, that is Sakura Genesis. We went a lot longer than we thought, so this is well Ross did stick around. But, you know, there was once Ross went, we just decided to go wild and just talk about all this stuff. We'll be back in a more long-form discussion, more freeing uh, discussion uh, when East Meets Fresh returns at the end of April. We'll talk about all the fallout from here. Uh, Sakura Genesis will talk about Capital Collision, which is going down in the US on April 15th. And we'll also talk about the lead-up in the card, hopefully, for Wrestling Dantaku and any developments if we have them 
all the best on the Super Juniors. We also want to thank you for listening to ESR Central. Uh, hope you look forward to wrestling the weekend. Tune back in later in the week when we have Ross and Dave previewing both nights of WrestleMania, and I'm sure they'll. And as well as all, make sure to check back in the back catalogue and all the previous episodes, Central previous episodes, East and East West, our past feature shows. I believe we have a feature show coming out at some point next week, according to Chris Money, which will focus on WrestleMania 19. Uh, we also have Saturday Draft Live every Saturday, and the season, most recent season is wrapping up. So check out all the content, all the back catalogue on Anchor, uh, formerly Anchor, now Spotify for podcasters, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Follow us on social media at Suplex Retreat, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, even TikTok at Suplex Retreat, Facebook community page. It's like Suplex Retreat community or whatever the fuck the community page on. Just join the Facebook. <laughs> See, Russ has passed on his inability to speak on to me now. Uh, but yes, it's been a long show and there's still more content to come. It's going to be a hell of a busy weekend. Hope you find the time to watch the stuff you want to watch. Grant, on Russ's behalf, I'll say thank you for joining me. It's great to talk about New Japan with you again. It has been a pleasure to take over and bastardise his child show. <laughs> He's going to come, Ross is going to go back on Thursday like, look how they massacred my boy. What have they done to my boy, my baby? What have they done? Well, until Ross comes back and never lets us take control of Central ever again, we'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.